Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 64, Megan Edwards Integrates Multiple Disciplines. Here's a shout out to listeners in Oklahoma, in Grove, Oklahoma City, and to listeners in Oregon, in Boardman, Gresham, and Corvallis. With that, let's get started. Do you need help with product or service launches? developing a loyalty program, or even creating a strategy for your blogs. Megan could help. She's worked with professionals from several industries, including accounting, education, financial services, fitness, human resources, logistics, manufacturing, and she's even worked with Reiki Masters. She is a yogi, a mom, a workshop facilitator, coach, and networking expert. I would even throw in lifelong learner. You might want to go to the show notes and check out the link to her website, M Words Communications. There's some interesting things there. Part one, helping others. Leadership is about helping others mature mentally and morally. In other words, helping others build character. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about other people. And if you think leadership is about getting things done through others, well, that's actually management. In this story, Megan expresses that everything comes back to helping other people. And she shares a little bit of her journey to arrive at that point in which that becomes her focus, helping others. Here's Megan. I take inspiration from everywhere. But something struck me a few years ago when I was first introduced to someone known by millions who I had a total misconception about. That man was Tony Robbins. Of course. Yes. I went to one of his events, or should I say was taken to one of his events, a little ambivalent about what I was going to experience and totally in the belief that he was a rah-rah in your face, motivation. And as an Aussie who we do have a reputation of being a little more reserved, the over-the-top, I guess, American energy yes. <laughs> kind of freaked me out a little bit. But I went along to one of his events. Could you explain what and who is this Tony Robbins? Ah, Tony Robbins is probably, I would say, one of the leading, let's call it life coaches, if you like. Okay. Who simply does things for the purpose of getting people unstuck, but he does it en masse. He brings in so many different modalities. He brings in NLP and different aspects of psychology and all sorts of physiological elements. Everything that you can think of, he has multiple layers to his methodology. But really, it's not radically different to many other practitioners. It's simply his personal style and his delivery that somehow connects with the fact that we are all the same. We all want to feel that we're enough. We all want to feel that we're loved. Everything's being driven by that need, the balance of love versus fear that we dance with every day of our life. To me, he just has a beautiful way of delivering it. I attended one of his events. I had a fire walk as part of that. Oh, wow. That's when you walk on fire. Correct. Like real fire. Real fire, real fire. 
And credit to him, he prepped us well. We chanted, we stomped, we marched, <laughs> we did everything, as well as the safety aspect. Needless to say, a little, a little nervous as well as excited. I did this walk and he happened to be standing at the end of the pit that I crossed. There were probably 30 of them. And he was standing at the end of the pit that I crossed with a massive smile on his face as I got to the end and I jumped and I didn't jump off. But at the end, a massive smile, leaned over, kissed me on the cheek. Well done. And this was an event of 8,000 people. And I thought, this is pretty cool. I've just done something. Here's the man of the hour, having led the whole event, who's personally acknowledged me. It just set off a, a cascade of energy around doing things that scare the pants off you and being led, at least initially, by someone who clearly was so in their centre, so clear on their purpose, just led from example, from heart. But he made a statement during this event, which apart from the kiss on the cheek, that was secondary. Ah. <laughs> he, he said, the secret to living is giving. That to me just absolutely struck me to my core because I didn't realize it at the time, but this is a model that my mum demonstrated for as long as I can remember. She was always about lighting someone else up, about losing yourself in service. So his language simply crystallized something that I'd inherently always known, that the secret to living is giving. I took that and ran with it. This is who I am. This is who I want to demonstrate to people. And I have kept that hidden. So that started a new trajectory for me in terms of, I guess, being my own version of a leader because I was able to join the dots based on what he shared. So a lot of what I do in my life now, whether it is with my son who is just hit teenagehood or other family members, my friends, my business, everything comes back to me showing up and doing whatever I can big or small, to just tease out other people's inner, inner strength, inner power, inner talent. And a lot of what I do is around the creative side of things. I try to help people get into that space that Tony does so well of showing you that you do have creativity, that nobody is born without the creative gene, but we get in our head. And as Tony, again, if I quote him the second time, he says, if you get in your head, you're dead. Ah. Uh -huh. My goal is to really lean into people, give my wisdom, my energy, my space holding to the people that I'm working with, the people that I love to say, I'm going to help you tease this out. I'm going to help you unpack it, take off the layers of whatever pretense or story you've got playing out. And I'm not going to give you a counseling session, but I am going to challenge you to get to the heart of what lights you up so that you can then be the giver that you inherently want to be, however that looks for you. That's the juice for me. That's the juice of life. And to see the light bulb go off for somebody who has come to me saying, just teach me how to use LinkedIn. Show me how to get leads through social media. Show me how to write content the way that you write content. Show me how to speak or teach the way that you teach. You know, let's back it up a little bit. Let's work out why haven't you done it already when I know that you are amazing at something. It's pulling back all those layers, working out you know, what is it that you want to say? What makes you different? And it's not in a cliched way. It's a matter of saying, look, there's something underpinning everything that you do. 
you might tell me that you are an accountant and you might be an amazing accountant, but there is something that you bring to your accounting discipline that you bring to everything. What is that? Let's show that to people. It doesn't matter whether you go from being an accountant to a landscape gardener. The same continuum runs underneath that. The way I would describe you, if someone asked me to describe Megan Edwards, I would say (laughs) Megan is a medical doctor Mm -hmm. or like a medical doctor because these people, professionals, accountants, whomever, they come to you and they say, I want this solution. I want to be able to use LinkedIn better. I want to write a better resume, whatever it is. Mm. Well, they're coming to you with a solution. When people go to the doctor, they go and they say, a lot of times they'll say, I saw this commercial on TV, American TV, which has lots of prescription pharmaceutical commercials. I like to get whatever the drug is because that's why I think I have Mm. no doctor certified doctor that follows the profession would say, sure, they would diagnose it. They would find out why. And that sounds like exactly like what you do when someone presents to you a request, a question, you dig into it and figure out what led up to it. What is the root underneath that request? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's challenging. And I've put myself through that challenge more times than I can count. I come to that place with the people that I'm supporting from knowing the struggle that they feel in that moment, that resistance to being vulnerable, to being able to acknowledge why they haven't executed on what they want to do or why they're still not where they want to go. From my own development perspective, I've tried to take in pieces just in the same way that Tony Robbins has and so many other powerful leaders. I've tried to weave in through my own development different modalities that are going to add a new or fresh nuance to my skills. Which goes back to your very first sentence, which was inspiration comes from everywhere. Yes, 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 yes. I've done coaching programs, I've done spiritual work, I've done the traditional uh, university marketing, psychology, all of those types of things, hours and hours of yoga practice and meditation and things like that. But it's the interweaving of all of those disciplines. And you never know which tool you're going to draw on. It becomes one bucket of of goodness um, that you can dip into and you you do it innately and subconsciously. That's the beauty of it. I don't think I realized that years ago until I started to add so many layers on top of each other and then thought, hey, I've got the unique skill set here. I've got my own innate talents. I've added all these other pieces. That's what makes me unique in what I do, just as you have your own unique base. And that's good fun. Part two, finding your voice. Speakers like Tony Robbins, Dave Sanderson, and even Duff Barron talk a lot about facing your fears, the things that are holding you back. In this story, Megan talks about one of her fears and how someone helped her overcome that fear and then gets into an interesting conversation about what resulted. Here's Megan with her story. I've started my path, I suppose, in going to the heart of my deepest fear. Reluctantly, absolutely teeth-clenchingly, I realised I met somebody a few years ago who later became my best friend. He said to me, you have a voice. 
but you don't use it. Why not? And he was the complete opposite. No hesitation at all. Good, bad, indifferent, he expressed. Every time I tried to express, I just, it was just stuck. The thoughts would come through, the ideas, actually verbalizing it, nothing. Or I would try to push past that and I would go into a physiological state of fear, you know, the, the red face, the sweating palms, the shortness of breath, all of those kinds of things. He worked with me around that to do things that would allow me to expose myself, be vulnerable, learn how to break through that. It started with doing small bursts of educational speaking. I joined a business networking group. And with his encouragement from a remote distance, I took on an education role for that group. So rather than simply turning up and being a member and having a coffee with everybody once a week, I took on an education leadership role, which scared the pants off me. All I needed to do was stand up once a week and talk for about two or three minutes about a, a given topic, something to do with nurturing your business, attracting customers, good service, anything in that category. I would stand there, I would grip onto the bench that I was standing behind so that I didn't shake noticeably. My voice would wobble. I would talk too fast or too soft or any number of combinations, but I kept going with it. I got to the end of a year of doing this to the point where I was singing. I was playing little random musical clips and things during my segments. I was walking around the room and pulling in uh, willing or unwilling volunteers for what I was doing. I was playing with it. No hesitancy. No hesitancy. And I realized that I not only had started to completely ignore what got me stuck in the first place, but that I had turned it into a game. I took off all the filters of what a business education segment should look like. It was play. And that is something that... I've latched on to more and more, like seeking inspiration from anywhere and everything. How can we make this just as a child would? If I think back to when my son, who's now 13, was small enough that I was still carrying him on my hip, he would observe me doing all kinds of things. But I remember walking to a cash machine one night, holding him on my hip and pressing, pushing the buttons on the screen. And he leaned across past my hand and went to swipe the screen from right to left. The screen didn't do that. It was just buttons. Ah. But he'd, he'd observed me do that with other things and thought, it's a logical thing. There's a screen. She's pushing things. Let's see what happens now. And it was that, again, unfiltered willingness to just play, push the boundaries, all of those things. I thought, this is the same principle. This is, let's dig deeper into that. Let's show other people how to express by doing things in an unconventional way, doing things in a non or atypical way in the, in the, in the world of business, because there is way too much formula. There is way too much conservatism Oh, we can't use that word. We can't swear. We can't show too much personality. And I know, I know there's a lot of talk these days about show up and be authentic, be raw and real and add any other adjectives that you like. But it was through my own willingness to be a little bit quirky with things that encouraged other people to bring out their version of quirky, which by definition shows up to your audience as authenticity without you having to say, hey, I'm being authentic. There is a book that you reminded me of because you used the word play. Mm. The book is called Prime to Perform. Ah. 
It's all about business motivation. What makes people motivated in the business world? What are the strongest motivators and what are the worst motivators? And of course, what you alluded to in what you were just talking about, the worst motivators are what happens in the business community. They use pay incentives, things like that. They may even use threats, Yes, you know, threat of losing the job. But the number one motivator for people, and there's three they identified, the number one is called play. If you do something, and I know computer programmers who get into code and it becomes fun and enjoyable, and before they know it, it's 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And some people play video games you know, before they know it. It's 8 a.m. and they started at <laughs> 9 a.m. <laughs> you know, yes. if you, you use the word quirky, mm. quirky, quirky, um, yes. that is part of play. What it sounds like is you're tapping into that motivator, which taps into creativity, innovation, insight. Mm, exactly. Exactly. And it's something that people uh, have allowed to fall by the wayside as they move into adulthood. It happens sooner for some than others. There was a TED talk that I watched a couple of years ago, and I can't remember the name of the gentleman, but he spoke to a point where he said, we reach a tipping point around our early 20s, which is often when people are going off to college or university, where we suddenly think, I need to show up as an adult now. And you stop seeing the humor in so many things. You stop being drawn to uh, what seem to now be nonsensical or trivial or unimportant things, rather than continuing on the trajectory that you were on when you were a child. And if we could just reel it back in and be willing to jump onto a platform like LinkedIn and challenge the status quo, throw it, I'm not talking about the Instagram mentality of here's what I had for lunch. Um, <laughs> there are protocols, there is a need for certain things. You can throw in a lot of language that is not going to offend anybody, but it is going to shake up their existing paradigm around what business communication is all about. They will feel you through the screen so much more by doing that because there's juice in what you're sharing. It's not cut and dried and left sitting on a rack for six hours. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's put out there, you know, with a three-dimensional thinking, feeling, smelling, tasting sense to it. And that makes people lean in even without realizing that they're leaning in. You just have to move past the fact that they won't always openly engage with you. That's the biggest roadblock once people are willing to embrace what I'm teaching. Oh, but people won't respond. They're nervous. They're still kind of in their heads around what it means to be on a business platform. And I said, that's fine because they will contact you outside of that channel or behind the scenes through messages and things. That's how it's worked for me. People are still nervous of what everyone else thinks of them, but they will go to you directly, especially around challenging subjects. It's a case of having a little bit of faith in the process and belief in the fact that you are human, you are communicating with other humans. You can never assume where somebody is currently at. Again, if I draw on my mum as an example, she worked her whole career in roles that were customer facing. She would always say there is something you can find in every single person that you can acknowledge, compliment, recognize the smallest thing. She said, you just, you always can. If you look for it, you will find it. If you look for the fact that they've got an unpleasant expression on their face, well, you can go on that trajectory. 
you just don't know what people are, are dealing with at any one time. They might be dealing with nothing. They might be dealing with mountains or somewhere in between and it doesn't matter. But just give them something to smile about or give them your smile. And it would be a wonderful world if we all did that. Exactly. Exactly. I used to hold back from smiling at people when I walked down the street thinking if they're not smiling at me, they're having a bad day and I'm just going to annoy them. (laughs) You know, I'm happy and I'm going to radiate that happiness to you. And I know you are going to feel that. You are going to feel my energy, whether or not you openly respond to it with a reciprocating smile. Again, going back to the never assume where someone's at. Just know that you can make a difference by putting your energy out there and allowing them to feel that regardless of what open response they give you. Same principle on social media. Part three, baking a cake. If you're an entrepreneur, you know that setting goals is critical. And if you're in the corporate world, you have to have goals to be able to get things done and the focus on the right kind of work. But underneath those goals is something else. It's your meaning. It's your purpose. It's, if you would, your philosophy that sets the stage and puts the context for those goals. In this story, Megan talks about something sort of like that. And she advises us for how we could keep moving forward. Here's Megan. One of the simplest things that I learned, and it was only a couple of years ago, came from a teacher of Law of Attraction, Abraham Hicks. And she frequently, I say she, even though it's a male name, she says, you can't get it wrong and you never get it done. So if you embrace that, you are willing and more able to continually put yourself out there, try different things, fall over, pick yourself up because you are not working towards a fixed destination. You can still have goals if you give yourself permission to get it wrong and not see anything as complete, the work in progress always, just as we are a work in progress always, that liberates you. I think you just described a part of the philosophy of leadership. You are continuously helping other people develop mentally and morally. There's not a set goal necessarily. You may you may have goals along the way, but it's a continuous process to help others. And by doing so, you end up helping yourself. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think the more you can simply see it as baking a cake, each ingredient contributes something. And it's the layers, it's the syntax, syntax, it's the methodology, it's all of it interwoven. And just go with it. Know that even if you don't need something right now, it's still going to be there and you can tap back into it. It's something that, especially when we are so, we chase knowledge so much. And yet we don't always do something with it. And people beat themselves up about that. Or they go the opposite way and they sign up to yet another course and another course because it's Ah. this perennial quest for more and more and more. And as an educator myself, I know the statistics are that the actual implementation rate for all those courses that we do is about 10%. 10% of people who do the training actually implement the majority of it which is frustrating. But then if you reframe it, you can say, okay, can't get it wrong. You never get it done. Why are they not implementing? All right, let's tweak, refine, change our message in some way, or simply break it into smaller pieces, whatever that looks like. Or change your ingredients. Change your ingredients. Yes, exactly. Again, as I said, it's liberating. 
so much more is possible when you release yourself from that self-imposed confine. You can't get it wrong. You never get it done. Exactly. My thanks to Megan Edwards. If you'd like to learn more about Megan, go to the show notes. If you have a question or comment, go to unlabelleadership.com, click the message icon, and you can leave a voicemail message up to one minute. I'd like to thank those who contribute to the show. Your contributions help offset some of the production cost. And mostly, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, lead on.